Hello! Oh, you're you're muted. Aha. Hello <laughs> and welcome to the RPG Academy Podcast Twitch channel. My name is Michael, and we are here tonight for a detention live with my special co-host. He's not a special co-host, he's just special. But in the you know what? I'm gonna stop talking now. Chris, say hello yeah. to everybody. <laughs> hello, everybody. <laughs> Excellent. So let me say hello in chat. Make sure that actually is working. Uh, it is not. So stand. Oh, there we are. Okay. I just had a little bit off. There we go. Uh, so in case anyone had checked our Twitter feed, we were supposed to have a, a third, a, a special guest co-host joining tonight. And I don't know if there's communication issues, time zone issues, something that's happened. I have not heard back from them. So I will bump them to a future episode. So for tonight, you just get the dynamic duo of Chris and myself. Uh, but we're going to carry on as we would anyway. So thank you for those of you who are watching now. Hopefully a few more people will jump in or watch now in the future. Uh, but Chris, say hello to everyone. Let them know who you are. Give them your socials, all that kind of good stuff. Uh, uh, Chris, uh, if I'm not here, I'm usually can find me on uh, Redemption as the game master of that Star Wars AP. Almost six years now, I think. So... I still say we're the longest running Star Wars AP. I'm still challenging somebody to prove me wrong. Hasn't I, happened yet. I mean, in, until someone proves you wrong, I think you're right. Uh, I, of course, am Michael at the RPG Academy. Everything I do can pretty much be found there. Uh, I do have another show, Farm to Fable, which I've been doing for the last year or so. It's a Smallville TV show rewatch podcast. And, uh, yeah, my uh, we are one episode away from wrapping up uh, season two. It's been a ton of fun revisiting that show, the the good and the bad. I do love that show, but I what I have found, because I even had one of the listeners tell me I was getting too negative, is that when you watch the show two or three times and you're taking notes and you're you're trying to find things to talk about, mm-hmm. I sort of invariably would slip into the things that don't make sense, the things that don't work for me, the silly aspects of the show, because there are certainly plenty of them, more so than the things that I love. Because it's easy to talk about what you love in broad terms. Like, oh, that was a great scene. I really liked how that actor played it. But did you notice that when they walked in from the left, that in the, you know, two episodes early, we saw that there's no room. You know, that that's the kind of stuff I would invariably mm-hmm. pull out and, and start to pick apart. So I, I try to be a little bit more conscientious of it, but it's still, there's a lot of it in there. I, I think we all do that. Yeah. New York Tater, no worries, man. I appreciate you ch- hopping in for the minute. You enjoy your time off because I, I know you don't get nearly enough of it for what you do for us. Uh, so enjoy yourself. You can always watch this uh, later on YouTube or catch a, a show in the future. But I appreciate you checking in. Um, so we all, well, and we'll kind of continue to expand on this, but the first thing we like to do here in detention is we do what we call extracurricular, and that is where we talk about kind of what we've been up to lately, anything top of mind, TV shows we've been watching, new movies, books, games we're running or playing, or I don't know, maybe designing. Uh, so Chris, what's been going on with you, buddy? Uh, well, work has been super busy, you know, got bought in October, bought again in February, two transitions, all that neat stuff. Lots of that. Other than that, I've uh, been playing some tabletop simulator with you and some other people. Been really having fun with that. I I, I did watch a very well two things. I did. My wife and I are watching Shadow and Bone on okay. Netflix. I like it so far. It's an interesting world. I wish they'd tell me a little bit more about the history and some of the backstory they have. But I'm hoping they'll get into that. 
Uh, on the flip side, I watched a movie called Jiu-Jitsu. Okay. Wow. Um, I don't even know how to describe the movie. I would just encourage everybody to watch it uh, with a beverage in hand that will help ease the pain. Did, did you feel like the movie grabbed you and then sort of like flipped you over maybe onto your back and then sort of strangled you into submission? No, more like I found myself within the first five minutes of the movie yelling at the screen everything that they're doing wrong. Oh, okay, okay. So that that was the other version of that story. I just thought it would be funny if I could create like a metaphor, but you know, oh, uh, I'm a was, failure of many things and creating metaphors is also one of them. No, this is one of those movies where a friend said, you got to watch this and make it all the way through the end. You won't believe how it ends. And I watched the end and I, I called him up. I'm like, I, I'm not sure we can talk about movies ever again. <laughs> And he's like, gotcha. I didn't realize how wrong you were. Now I have to reevaluate everything we've ever said to each other. Yeah, it, it had nothing to do with jujitsu. So being a guy who has trained in Brazilian jujitsu, it, it was annoying that it had nothing to do with jujitsu. Uh, there was an, uh, long story short, it's an alien who comes back to earth every so often. And there are 13 jujitsu guys that have to fight him to put him back into the the, the portal to send him back or else he'll destroy the world oh okay yeah um, i mean that that old classic yeah and the alien when he got to earth was more like predator but not very powerful yeah, it was just it was bad the action have you was ever bad. seen the movie jim kata no so no. this is a it's like a early 80 uh action martial arts movie and there's a guy i cannot remember his name he looks just like john denver not john denver but it looks a lot like him Okay. who is a gymnast who gets recruited into a secret military, like martial arts organization. So there's like all the martial arts are filtered through this guy's gymnastics ability. It's terrible, but I love it. Yeah. Sounds right on par. Yeah. It was the action was so bad. There are times where you see the actor throw a block up and literally wait for the other actor to finish the punch. <laughs> And so you see the actor like, come on, come on, got it. Now I can go on to the next move. And I'm just like, why am I watching this still? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Next time I watch it, we're going to mystery science theater it. Nice. Sometimes that's the best way to watch movies like that. Yeah. What, what have you been up to? Uh, little this, little of that. Uh, some of it, you know, anybody who's been watching for all knows I am closing in on finishing the first draft of Action 12 Cinema. Speaking of bad movies, I'm writing a game <laughs> that's all about playing through bad movie stories, but hopefully the good bad movies, not the bad, bad movies. Mm-hmm. And uh, Saturday's the day, good, bad, or indifferent, wherever the, wherever the manuscript is at that point, I'm turning it over to my editor to fix i guess i'll just have to pay them more if it's in really bad shape uh but i'm very very excited i cannot wait for someone else to really deep dive and help me get it into a place that we can move forward again the idea is some point this year there'll be a kickstarter for it i don't i don't know if it'll be ready for that like i'm gonna leave it to my editor to tell me if it's you know ready for that at this point but uh it's a fun game it has been fun to play. I do like bad movies, and it, it kind of helps facilitate those, and that's that's kind of the goal. And, of course, it heavily uses the D12 because that's really the reason I started making the game. So that's that's what's the, the big thing. Uh, I actually started to watch, speaking of bad movies, Mortal Kombat, the new really? 2021 edition that hit HBO Max. I fell asleep about 20 minutes in and then just never came back to it. It just did not 
grab me, did not throw me over the shoulder. It just put me to sleep. See, I've heard the opposite from other people. A lot of people are talking about how much they love it. It just didn't didn't do it for me for some reason. Hmm. I mean, the very first one they did, the nineteen hundreds. I can't remember when. Yeah, Uh, it wasn't bad. The second one wasn't good. It wasn't as bad as the Street Fighter movie they made. Oh, that I do actually rather movie. enjoy that. It's so bad, but I actually like that Street Fighter movie. Uh, yeah. Again, it's one you mystery science theater and. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not a it. good movie at all, but it's a fun movie, at least for me. I'm a big Jean Claude uh, apologist. Yeah, I love almost everything he's in, especially the bad, bad movies. I've, I've uh, and then I'm still checking out The Nevers. Are you watching? Have you seen that yet? It's on HBO Max. <laughs> I don't have HBO Max. I really, I'm really digging the show. It's, uh, it's by Joss Whedon, who did some of the mm-hmm. things that I love the most, including Firefly and Buffy. Yep. Uh, has turned out he's apparently a jerk and hard to work with. And I think he eventually got. He's, he's no longer with the production. Whether he was actually fired or he left himself, it's one of those Hollywood versions. So I don't know for sure. Yeah. Uh, but I still like the stuff he does. And the first episode, the pilot was great. It was just a fantastic pilot episode. It's essentially uh, eighteen late 1800 Victoria era England with X-Men. And it's primarily women of the lower class that are getting these powers. And uh, there's a lot of like, classism and sexism involved. Uh, the main two, the two main female leads are really, really good. There's like some weird subplot stuff going on, as you would expect. It's very Buffy, very Firefly. So if you like either of those shows, it's it's pretty interesting. Uh, the second episode kind of took a dip. I didn't think it was as good, but the third episode was right back up there. And uh, his, the the mystery that they're telling is very interesting. Uh, so yeah, I'm really, really digging that. Obviously, Falcon and the Winter Soldier just ended. Invincible ends this week. We got Loki coming up. There's so much TV if you're into that nerd stuff. It's it's almost hard to keep up with it all. Are, are we allowed to talk about Falcon and Winter Soldier, or is it too early? I, I would still say no spoilers. It's, you know, it's the same. Well, I guess it's been not quite a week. So, yeah, I would still say no. If you want to give, like, broad thoughts, or we can just say spoiler warning. We're going to talk mm-hmm. about Falcon and the Winter Soldier for... I'll, I'll hold up a finger. As long as I'm doing this... Falcon, we're talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. When I stop doing this, you, it's clear to take your earmuffs back off or whatever. So go for it. Yeah. Uh, believe it or not, I found the ending a little predictable. Okay. I kind of saw it about episode three, like this is how it's going to end. Gotcha. Um, so it wasn't quite the ending I was hoping for. I was hoping for a little bit more of a twist, but I was hoping for, yeah, I don't know. I don't even know how to explain it. Something just different. No, like fair big... enough. I, overall, I liked it quite a lot, but yeah. I, I, the, the biggest thing for me is I did not like. Well, that was a weird accent. I did not like the way they wrapped up the John Walker storyline. Yeah. I liked yeah. at the end of episode five. I really liked where his character was at, and I felt by the end of episode six, they had sort of like undid that and just sort of forgave him. And I would have preferred for him to still be in the dark. I hate the world. I'm going to get back at you. And the fact that they just sort of redeemed him in that one episode, I didn't care for. But overall, yeah. I, I think the character was done really, really well. I think this was the writing, not the acting. I think the acting was great. Mm-hmm. Uh, not 100% on the Sharon Carter of it all. But yeah. beginning to end, Still... I thought the Isaiah stuff worked great. I liked mm-hmm. I liked Sam as the cap. I think he earned that title. So mm-hmm. I'm happy to keep watching more. Yeah, me too. All right, I'm going to stop think, doing that then. Yeah. My arms are getting tired. Flew yeah, here. I, would, I just flew in and my arms are tired. 
All right. So uh, with that out of the way, uh, we're going to jump into our first improv game. This is 10 Things. And this is an improv game where we will prompt one another to give a list of 10 items. And then we will then try to come up with 10 things that make sense for that list. The goal here is immediacy over accuracy. So coming up with a fast 10 thing list is better than an accurate 10 thing list. Uh, Chris, would you like to go first with the prompt or would you like to go first receiving the prompt? Uh, you can go ahead and give me a, give me a 10, 10 list first or list okay. 10 things first. Uh, so let's see. You, uh, okay. Mortal Kombat. Hmm. Can you name 10 Mortal Kombat-ish um, fatality moves? Um, wow. And again, they don't have to be real. Right. Uh, hey, it's Dirty Habanero. Welcome. Hey. All right. 10 Mortal Kombat fatality moves. Uh, we'll go with, uh, here's my chain. I'm going to rip your head off. One. Uh, smell my feet till your head falls off. <laughs> Two. Uh, watch the movie jujitsu over and over and over till you just rip your own head off three uh get stuck in a room with screaming toddlers that you have no way of making them stop screaming four uh gets uh get frozen and then kicked in the head until your body shatters into tons of pieces five you're halfway there uh get stuck playing your least favorite board game over and over until you Six. just jump off a cliff I uh, get, uh, we'll go with get beat up with a game board piece. Seven. Seven. Uh, I, I magically produce a dragon out of my hand that eats you. Eat. Uh, we'll go with, um, lightning comes flying out of my eyes into your eyes and your feet explode. Nine. And last, uh, I attack you with a giant toothbrush and tickle you to death. Ten. Well, hey. that effect was 10 things. Excellent, sir. All right, my turn. All right. Uh, recently, I got to go watch my son's track meet. Mm -hmm. And while I was there, this entertained me. So I came up with uh, an idea. And I actually did this while I was sitting there. So I want to see how you do. 10, 10 objects that would make really bad footwear to run track in. Crocs. One. Um, paperbacks. Two. Uh, soulless shoes. So is this the tops of your three? Flip flops. Three. Four. Uh, Legos. Five. Just taped to your feet. Uh, D fours taped to your feet. Six. Uh, bowling balls. Seven. Um, board game components. Eight. Laptops. Nine. Uh, small children. Ten. Ten. Yeah. That was, in fact, ten things. All right. So we, again, thought we were going to have a guest. Didn't happen. So tonight's used books is going to be a little bit different. Chris and I are just going to talk a little bit about the games that he and I are running. So uh, caution for redemption spoilers, because you're several months ahead of release, right? So if we get into any details, possibly... And then same thing for Shadow Spawns that I'm running. Uh, there's some things going on that if you're not watching live, you might get a little bit spoiled. But I'll start with you, Chris. So we, we started talking before the show. We both run similar type of games. Uh, how many dice did yep. you roll the last time you played? We had two times in the two hours that dice were rolled. 
and both times it was me as a GM. Uh, so our last session, we played for a little over two hours. We had two dice rolls as well, both by the same character, both insight checks. Nice. A lot of it was this particular session was very social. And one of the characters, that's what they're built around is social skills and creating contacts in different worlds and uh, having an underground or underworld connections. And as a GM, I would rather play out a really cool scene and let the person be charming and do what their character is built to do than make them roll dice. Mm -hmm. I hate doing a really cool scene and then going, cool, roll the dice. And you roll the dice and the dice give you the middle finger and you're like, yeah all that work uh usually what i do and, and it's the same thing i did in this last game I, the main npcs that they're talking to i give them a goal and if they achieve that goal or i guess a desire that the character wants however you want to say it and once they hit that cool they've charmed them or they've deceived them into believing or whatever angle they're going for once they hit that i go okay cool if they get stumble in the scene and they're not sure where to go that's when i'll say okay let's roll dice and see if you end up more successful or more in the in the opposite direction. So I kind of like to let the dice just guide the scene when the players struggle. Mm -hmm. Unfortunate. It truly is a difficult thing, because uh, I've said this many times before, but let's say I'm at a convention game, and there's a young, mm -hmm. youngish kid there, early teens, who's a little bit awkward, and they want to play the charismatic bard. Then it's not fair to me to, to expect this person to be a dashing right. uh, debonair you know uh, smuggler character and get away with their quick wit when they just want to roll the dice because it says their their charisma is really high and they get that's that's mm -hmm. the point for them but i think both of the games that we're playing are one they're for entertainment uh, yep. they're for an audience they are also designed to be lore heavy role play heavy games so i think the types of games that we are running i think it makes more sense to lessen the use of the dice rather than like quote unquote fudge them you know if someone rolls and you right. just ignore the roll it's easier just not to let them roll at all I, I just want to be clear for anyone who might be listening again now or in the future that this isn't how i would run a game with a different set of players but for the game i'm running with the players i'm running with i completely agree that the dice often just get in the way Mm -hmm. And I think that's a big part of both our games because I've, you know, I watched some last night before my internet took a dive and we both have really strong players that understand what their characters can and can't do. You know, I know Kaylee, who's not playing the charismatic character, isn't going to try to jump in the scene and be the charismatic character. Yeah, you know, yeah. She's going to take a step back and let Andy, who's playing the charismatic character, have that moment. So we don't have to have the dice kind of, I don't want to say dictate how the players play, but I don't have to say to that player who's not playing the charismatic character, all right, roll with your negative four charisma over there. Right. And it can be yeah. fun that mm -hmm. at some point in time, Kaylee's character is forced into that position where they have yeah. to then try to be the face. And then you can let the dice sort of help dictate the fiction. And I think that's, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of what I've been reading some fate stuff again, cause there's a, there's some overlap between the game I'm designing and how fate does things. And, okay. you know, there's that sort of follow the fiction. I think that's also a dungeon world uh, or fiction yeah. first. And I think that's like in this world, as we've established, this character is good at this. 
So unless there's a really good reason to add some random elements, we can just assume that they are good at that. And that includes being charismatic and being either, you know, Mm -hmm. persuasive or charming or intimidating. So I think this totally fine in the established fiction to follow it along until there's a reason not to. And in some cases that can then be kind of almost the, the fun part is, you know, you, you spend an entire session where the charismatic character can just, you know, get by on that. They can, they -hmm. can convince people to do what they want. They can charm these people. They can, they can lie their way out of this. And then suddenly you're like, Nope, now you have to roll for it. That's interesting. You know, it's like, if you don't set a baseline, then rolling, not that it becomes meaningless, but it becomes almost like too meaningful. I'm I'm trying to think of a way to say this, but basically, you know, the fact that now this guard, you're having to roll for it what does that tell me about the the world? Like, what does that tell me as a player and as a character mm-hmm. that this guard isn't easily fooled? You know, I just I think that's an interesting way to tell the story as well. You set up a baseline and then you can mess with it. If you don't establish the baseline first, then it's harder to kind of feel out the world yeah. that you're supposed to be inhabiting. I think you said the key word, interesting. The dice roll should make the story interesting. And in that situation, it would be more interesting to have a random guard that they have to now bluff. Wait, why do I have to bluff this particular guard? Maybe that was just interesting as a GM for you to just have fun and see your player's reaction. Right. Or maybe it gave them something to think about. Because you know, to I, I totally agree. I think that is an element that sometimes gets lost, that sometimes the randomness is the point. And it could be mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe you're watching your players and you feel like they're getting bored. Uh, maybe they feel like things are going too easy. Maybe they're looking, you know, they, it's time to bring dice into the game because it needs to be. I think those are all acceptable reasons for a GM to say, you know, what, we're going to roll some dice here beyond just the random element of, you know, you're not supposed to be able to just get away with everything. You have a charm score, so let's use it. It's just maybe sometimes it's fun for characters to roll or players to roll dice, so we're going to do that now. Or maybe just as the GM, I think it'll be funny. Uh, to make you do you have a chance of failing here because I want to see how you respond to failing when you're the character that's supposed to be good at this I think that's a completely valid reason to bring dice into a game I agree I think I really do fall on the idea of we only roll dice when I think it's going to be interesting otherwise just let the story go but like you said you have to read the table Hmm. you know I'm fortunate with players who are happy if they don't have to roll dice you know, they'll tell me, hey, I got all these cool skills. I haven't used them in a while. Okay, cool. I'll throw something in so they can use them. Mm-hmm. You know, for example, you know, Michael, who plays Tazi, is a really good pilot in the game. We don't do a ton with piloting. Every now and then I try to make a point to throw things in. And I'll purposely make things like, all right, have three setback dice. Just because I know he'll giggle and smile at me and go, well, I have skill jockey, so I'm going to get rid of those three black dice. Just because he spent the points in the skill and, it, right. and he, you know, he gets to use it like once every six months yeah. type thing. So for me, I'm fortunate that that's the type of players I have. Yeah. And, you know, I hope everybody can find players like that. But Right. And different players might be better for a different table. So you don't necessarily want players just like yours. You just want players mm-hmm. that fit your style, just like your players fit your style. Yep. Uh, welcome, Fox Blade. Happy to have you hanging out with us tonight. Uh, so we had a guest, but we, something happened. They, they weren't able to show up. So Chris and I are just talking about the recent games we've been running. So there's potential spoilers 
for um, Redemption and Shadowspawn, though Chris was very vague. I'm going to dive into some details because I just think <laughs> what happened last night was really cool and I want to share. Uh, so in my game, we're playing 13th Age. And one of the, the things about 13th Age is you have these 13 icons. These are like the... Yep the movers and shakers of the world. You know, you have uh, the high druid who is like the leader of the druids. You have the priestess uh, who is like the leader of the church. You have the emperor who is the leader of the empire that the game is the main set in. You have like the lich king. Uh, you have the archmage and you have the prince of shadows. There's more of them, but those are the ones that we need to talk about tonight. So the Prince of Shadows is exactly who you would think. They're this sort of in-the-shadows, dark, mysterious figure that are, are known to be able to get into places you shouldn't be able to get into. They're able to get out of places they shouldn't be able to get out of. They're always scheming, sort of pitting the other icons against each other. They're sort of mis mischievous, right? So in the lore of 13th Age, the Dwarven King has, excuse me, <coughs> has set a ransom Basically, a, a king's ransom in gold to be paid for the head of the Prince of Shadows. It's never told what the Prince of Shadows did, but clearly the Prince of Shadows pissed off the Dwarven King quite a lot. In the very first session of my game, word spread through this Dwarven mining camp that the Prince of Shadows had been killed by the Dwarven King. So something had happened. The Dwarven King was finally able to get their hands, and literally session one Prince of Shadows, dead. Now, obviously, there's questions. Is this true? Did, you know, did they kill the actual Prince of Shadows? Uh, as okay. of yet, the, the true Prince of Shadows has not come forward to say, hey, it wasn't me. So it sound, seems like it might actually have been. There's also a lot of stuff going on with shadows in my game in particular. One of the characters has a sentient shadow that seems to be actively working against their best interest in some okay. cases. Uh, so this is now the sixth session. The characters were on their way to Forge, which is the hometown of the dwarves, where the Prince of Shadows' body has been on display. The Dwarven King has been like showing it off to anybody who wants to show up. Uh, the characters showed up. They were immediately treated like royal guests, which was actually hilarious because I didn't intend it that way. But they were like treated like these like these super important people. They were put in these like really lavish estates. They were you know it's like five-star hotels, they immediately became super nervous. They're like, we, we shouldn't be treated this well. What's wrong? So the mm -hmm. fact that I let them just like, you know, uh, have this lavish night in this uh, palace, uh, palatial estates, they're all freaking out. But all it was is just, I, it was kind of a mistaken identity a little bit. But I just thought it was really funny that me being kind of nice to their characters made them super paranoid. Um, right. So they finally are able to go in and actually see the body. It's almost like a line at, at the Disneyland where they, people grow in groups. And they're handed these little torches that cast what's called witch light, which light does not cast shadows. So despite what's going on, they're still really worried about any shadows being around the body. So they go in there. They're looking at the body. It looks just like a normal dude. Basically, they're encased in this almost like carbonite clear transparent aluminum sort of thing and then the head's like two two or three inches above the rest of its body showing where the body has been killed and then uh, a figure that they have fought previously shows up just teleports in this uh etter cap with a uh, phase spider companion that teleports it around and then that character casts a light spell so now the room is full of shadows 
and all the shadows are drawn towards the the body, like unnaturally bending and curving towards it. And that's where we ended. So it does seem like there's definitely something with this body in shadows, where it's true of the Prince of Shadows, we don't know. But that's where we ended was them being in this room with this Ettercap, this face spider, and all the shadows in the room drawn unnaturally to this body of the supposed Prince of Shadows. Fantastic ending. It was I could not have planned out the pacing better to end on that exact moment. The players are all freaking out. They don't know what this means. They don't know if it's really the Prince of Shadows. They don't know why their shadows are acting weird. It was a great moment. I, you know, super excited about how that game ended, and I'm hoping that more people will show up next time because we're about to have a big fight. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there. Nice. There may be more twists and turns, but there's a big fight coming. Nice. Well, that sounds fun. I like the twist on what's going on with shadows. When you talked about the shadow kind of messing with him, it, I, I thought of Peter Pan. Mm. When he was there's definitely some elements shadow. there. Uh, so, kinda... so one of the things that that character in particular, they have their memory has been sort of messed with. So like they can't remember a lot of things. They have, they have memories from other people that they can't explain. And uh, in like the third or fourth session, their shadow got killed. So their shadow tried to run away and the other characters realized what was happening, chased it down and killed their shadow. And since that day, their memory has not been messed with. So they have, they have a perfect recall from that moment till now. So he's starting to realize that at least the ongoing affliction of his memory has something to do with his shadow. So now he's trying to find ways to kill a shadow again because his shadow is growing back. It's like baby Groot at this point. It's like this little tiny okay. baby shadow. Uh, but he's realized, this, but he doesn't, he doesn't fully understand how it works, but it seems like his shadow is the one that's been messing with his memories, at least currently, but maybe in the past too, he doesn't know yet. Uh, so there's definitely, there's a lot of depths and twists and turns. Hopefully it'll all make sense. In my head, it does. When it's all on the table, people may go, that doesn't make sense. It may, it may seem like a jujitsu movie. It just doesn't quite line up, but right now I'm having a ton of fun with it. That's good. Should have his shadow hit puberty and his voice start to crack. <laughs> He gets moody. You're not my real dad. <laughs> I'm smarter than you. Leave me alone. I'm going to my room. Uh, I'm I'm probably a few years away from that, but not many. I got a, a, a 11 year old and a nine seem to be 10 year old. Mine's 16. So we went through that. He's a pretty good kid. He's pretty laid back. Yeah. I, he comes to a catacomb and forks the desk like the whole time. I, I love your kid. I, he, the first time he did it, I go, what are you doing? He goes, it's the first time in my life I've ever gotten to tell adults what to do. I was like, wow, cool. If you're having fun, I'll go play games. You work. Yeah. It's supposed to be the other way around, but have fun, kid. So he, he enjoys it. I think he also enjoys being given the responsibility in a way like an adult and not mm -hmm. treated like he's just a dumb kid. So uh, that was one of my pet peeves as a, when I was a kid. His parents would just be like, oh, you're too young. Well, but I'm not stupid. <laughs> so, but that's a whole side tangent that we're getting into. Yeah. Uh, sounds like the, it sounds like you've got a good storyline built and a lot of mystery built. At first, when you described the palace, my brain went Scooby-Doo. Mm. I thought you were doing like a Scooby-Doo in 13th age, which could be fun. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I like the, the more serious aspect and bringing the shadows and that's pretty neat. Well, the, the serious thing that does sometimes take a, a sidetrack. We got on this whole tangent about uh, there's like a, a fantasy Siri or Alexa. So they're in these palaces 
and there's just sort of an ongoing scrying spell. So you can just be like, I would like a coffee. And then like a servant will show up with a coffee. And then somebody started talking about like when you show up, they offer you cookies and you have to accept them. Uh, and then like the next day, if you mentioned that you were looking for new shoes, that you would like a, a, a shoe vendor would just happen to be in front of you. So a whole like Amazon Alexa Siri sort of thing. It, it became a whole thing, which I thought was funny. But so it's not always serious. It just has some serious elements in there. How many sandwiches did Caleb order? Uh, he got the perfect sandwich. That was one of the things they got taken to this really lavish dinner where they could order anything they wanted. And the, 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 the Dwarven King's own chef would prepare it. And, uh, so Caleb wrote out his order. He didn't say he wanted a sandwich, but he's like, you know, I want toasted bread with this, you know, like areola sauce or whatever, or aioli, not areola. That's a little different, uh, (laughs) and like meats and everything. And basically he, 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 he wrote down a sandwich recipe and then he got the food. I was like, this is the best version you've ever had of this food. And he's like, you just like, we even stopped. He goes, you just gave me a perfect sandwich in this game. So I think I might have ruined the sandwich for the rest of his life. I don't know. He'll have to make something else. Yeah. Move, exactly. on, move, move on to on. pie. Move on to pie. Make pies oh, pie. Pie's good. Yeah. Uh, but hopefully I haven't ruined it for anyone listening because it, it's it's definitely a ton of fun to play. I, I don't know if it's fun to watch. Who knows? Maybe it's not. But I'm having a lot of fun running the game and the players seem to be having a good time. Uh, so come back next week and see what happens with the supposed Prince of Shadows body or not. <laughs> All right. So we'll move into... Um, our second improv game, the reason most people come just to watch us make asses of ourselves, uh, where have my fingers been? So this is an improv game where Chris and I will prompt one another to create a short scene involving two, possibly more characters, uh, where we will finger, pup, finger puppet and act out this short scene to your delight and amazement. So Chris, again, you're the guest tonight, so would you like to receive the prompt first or do the game first? I'll give you a, a, a scene first. All right. So we have to sing the song. Where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Uh, your adventurer stuck in a dungeon where you have learned if you just ask something, it shows up or ask for something. Okay. I, I, I can't be the only one that have noticed this. What are you talking about? I, just like earlier, I was mentioning like, man, it would be great if I had a water skin. And then... A water skin just showed up. I'm I'm pretty sure you had that water skin when you came in. I had one, but now I have two. Look. Uh, you probably had two and just didn't realize it. No, I'm telling you. Like, okay, watch. I would like a llama. I don't know what llamas sound like, but just insert a llama <laughs> sound here. Holy shit, dude! And that's where my fingers have been. Ben. Yay! <laughs> Yay! <laughs> All right, uh, Chris. Okay. I said, where have my fingers been? I said, where have my fingers been? Your fingers are part of a magical process that has to give people things they ask for when they're trapped in a dungeon. Interesting. I'm here. What is it that you would like? I would like... Bigger feet. Here you have mine. Anything else? Um, I would like a magic cape. Have mine. I really don't like this job. I do. I would like all the money in the world. 
good luck. I'm not rich. I'm an apprentice. And that's where my fingers have been. I, could not I think thought you were going to go with a llama joke there. All right. I thought about it, but I couldn't figure out how to pull it in. <laughs> no worries. All right. So we're going to move into cryptozoology. And this is a, a segment where we're going to talk about a monster, usually D&D, but not always. Uh, discuss some ways that maybe we have used this creature in the past, possibly brainstorm some ways we might use it in the future. Uh, again, since we did not have uh, the guest tonight, I decided to talk about the phase spider. Because that is the okay. creature that showed up in the game last night of Shadow Spawns, and this creature has shown up uh, in the very first session. And I think maybe the second session. It was like the first fight of, of Shadow Spawns. And so I, I'm using the 13th Age version, but we're going to kind of talk a little bit about both. And I also kind of made some some changes on my own. So looking at the 5th edition Space Spider okay, that is right here. It's on page... 334 of the 5e monster manual so the phase spider is a large monstrosity uh it is a challenge level of three has some special abilities ethereal jaunt as a bonus action the spider can magically shift from the material plane to the ethereal plane or vice versa spider climb the spider can climb difficult surfaces including upside down on ceilings and web walker the spider ignores movement caused by webbing so basically the face spider is like sort of like an assassin sort of a, a creature. It can mm-hmm. just sort of appear out of nowhere. You can surprise you, get behind you without you knowing it. It can phase onto a ceiling above you so you don't know it's there. Um, it has uh, a melee bite attack of plus four to hit. It does seven damage. Uh, but it also has a poison segment throw DC 18 or take 4d8 points of damage. So the actual attacks are not that bad, but the poison is quite potent on these creatures. Yes. And now I want to talk about the 13th Age version, and then we'll dive a little bit more. Because I I think the 13th Age version has some cool little twists, which if you're familiar with 13th Age, this is pretty standard. Mm -hmm. So in 13th Age, uh, the Face Spider is a large 7th level spoiler type of creature. That's sort of like a, a, a type of creature that you face in these games. They have like brutes. Uh, archers, spoilers, that kind of thing. Uh, plus 11 to hit, does 25 damage. On a natural even hit, the spider can make a rummage and filch attack against the target as a free action. So what this does is the phase spiders are notorious for stealing magic items. So when okay. a phase spider hits you, there's a really good chance that it has just stolen one of your magic items. So it doesn't matter what magic item it is. It could be a ring on your finger, crown on your head, a sword in your hand. It can steal one of your magic items. And it's known to basically do this where it jumps in, attacks you, steals a magic item, disappears back into the ethereal realm, uh, bye-bye magic items. Uh, it also has some phasing abilities, uh, short teleport, long teleport, phase out, and then teleport away. And it stores these magic items in this pouch. So if you kill a face spider, you can get maybe your magic items back, but you might also get, you know, all these like sort of like random magic items mm-hmm. they may have collected over the year. So it's a way to give sort of like a weird, almost old school Gygaxian loot drop. You kill a face spider and you get like a suit of armor somehow, uh, <laughs> which I can just think would be a ton of fun. So the little twist that I made, uh, edder caps are becoming kind of a big part of my game and edder caps are these sort of like humanoid spider creatures. Yep. So in my game, edder caps use phase spiders like a familiar and the phase spider can phase them in too. 
So a face spider might show up with like an edder cap, or the edder cap can use the face spider to get around. So it's uh, almost like a drider, but okay. they're not connected necessarily. And that's what happened last night in that game, is a face spider phased into the room where the characters were with the body and had an edder cap there. So with all that said, I'll turn to you. Have you ever used a face spider or creatures that act like face spiders in any of your games? Not a face spider. I've just used assassins that can pop in and out and do things. Um, oh boy, way back in the uh, day, I ran a 3.5 game where we did the epic level book and they have a character in there that, or a creature in there that that's what they do. They phase in, stab you pretty much. If you roll poorly, they kill you and then they pop out. Hmm. So that's the closest I've used. I don't really use spiders much. Um, mostly cause they creep me out a little bit. So I don't really like describing an eight legged hairy thing that can bite you. Hmm. Just gives me the willies a little bit so i don't use them a ton i i like the idea that the 13th age one was stealing your magic items yeah that's a, a fun little twist uh, in the Baldur's gate game there's a whole section where you're in this uh underground cavern and i think there's like a whole bunch of uh like salamanders or um yanti maybe and there's a bunch of spiders and there's a whole bunch of face spiders and they're really deadly because they basically can just jump next to you because like one of the things whenever you play video games like that is you know you basically get your party lined up you got all your archers mm -hmm. you got your warriors in the front you got your mazes in your back and then you send your rogue out in sneak mode you see if there's a creature you have to sneak the rogue attack it with a ranged weapon you get sneak attack damage you do a ton of damage and then chases your rogue your rogue runs back gets behind the line and then before the monster gets to your creatures you've killed it or if it okay. gets up there, you know, your melee fighters take it out. Very classic standard tactical version of playing that game. Phase fighters F with this because they can just show up. So whether your rogue is off by itself and it gets surrounded or it just jumps behind and starts attacking your wizard while they're behind the line or there's no nothing there and now there's three spiders all around you plus they're really deadly. So yeah, that that is one of the most dangerous section of that whole game to me is those phase fighters. I hate them. I hate playing them in that game. But they're fun to mess with players for that same very reason is if they're being very tactical and making really good choices, you can invalidate those. And it's not necessarily metagaming where you're like, well, you know, I, I see what they're doing. I want to mess it up. You just put a face spider in there and the face spider by its nature is like, oh, you've set up this defensive perimeter. How about I attack the wizard from behind? Ha ha, you're welcome. Oh, and by the way, I've now phased out and you... I might pop again in again later and they're dying from poison. Make your save and throw. Good luck. Peace out. <laughs> it sounds like a great way to ruin a party's uh, well-laid plan. I, I, I don't know. I just keep going back to the stealing magic items. My brain's focused on that poison. I've always thought in games is a little, it's either way underpowered or way overpowered. I've never found a game that really balances it. Well, yeah. it either doesn't do anything. It makes you itch. Or it pretty much kills you. I think the phase fighter in 5e is actually kind of interesting because it's its normal attack doesn't do a lot of damage, seven. But the mm -hmm. saving throw for the poison is, you know, potentially 64 damage on a failed save throw. So that's a uh that didn't hurt now I'm dead type of an attack. I mean 64 yeah. damage. Make sure I'm doing that right. No. 32 damage. Sorry, they could do 32 damage. Yep. But that's still significant for a five or seven points of damage and then potentially 32 on top of it. That's max damage, of course. Right. But, you know, it's still 
the potential for a whole lot. So I do like that because then you could have that character who's like the dwarf or maybe they have a really high con or they have like a, a maybe like a resistance to poison. That can be the when that character gets to shine. You're like, hey, dwarf, we're dealing with uh, phase spiders. How about you go in front this time because you're the one that's going to survive that. So a mechanical choice with taking a character that has a high resistance or a poison resistance, this is a time where it can actually kind of be beneficial. That could make a cool scene if the party has to escort you know, a, a noble who's not very strong and you're going to do, you know, it's a phase spider. How are you guys going to protect this noble that mm. with one bite could die? And your whole mission is to keep them alive for you know, whatever reason. Maybe they're the key to saving the kingdom or they're promised to rule the land or they're getting married to somebody that's going to unite the land or you know, whatever hook you want to use. Right that could add a lot of tension and really force the players to really think about how are we going to protect this person? I mean, do we go back to back with them in the middle and make this weird sort of four-sided sandwich. So the face spider has no way of getting there mm -hmm. or do we back him into a corner or you know, however they want to do it. That could add a lot of good tension to it. So I, I'm going to give a, a, an idea I came up with, but since you're focused on magic items, try to come up with a, not a 10 things, but like come up with a couple of fun magic items that you could drop on a party from a face spider, that would be fun. But my idea for a face spider encounter is like they have to have babies, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and usually, I don't know how accurate it is, but my my knowledge of spiders through fantasy media is that they lay eggs, and usually a lot of them. And so that right. you could have a whole bunch of baby face spiders. So you put the characters in a situation they have to go through a place, and there's like a clutch of face spider eggs, and you attack them as a swarm because of course they're going to hatch. Uh, you know, have you not seen Mandalorian? Mm -hmm. But uh, you treat it like a blink spell where, you know, all attacks have a 50-50 chance of missing. So like they cast Fireball, doesn't do anything because they're all phased at that moment. So they're just constantly phasing in and out uh, and they're attacking. And because they're babies, you know, I would, the, the, the damage would be like one or two points of damage. The poison mm -hmm. would be like five. So it still would be deadly because there's so many of them. But I do like the idea of not only do you have that, that, terrifying moment of all these spiders hatching and rushing at you but then you multiply that by the fact that they're phasing and they're not just coming at you they're phasing all around you and they can just phase on top of you so you're just like trying to run away but now they're in front of you now they're on you maybe they're in you i don't know uh it's, you know you run your game your way x card it out though um but what are a couple of magic items that you think might be cool to drop on a 13th age version of a face spider also play 13th age i always like the magic items that are actually useful mm -hmm. simple yeah. simple things ring of warmth maybe a face spider is attracted to that because they live in caves that are cold maybe they want one i don't know how intelligent they are but maybe they're just uh, they're animal intelligent in 5e in uh 13th age they don't give them those stats so it's uh it's six which is actually i think high for an animal i don't think they have language but uh, they're definitely uh smarter than your average bear yeah, so maybe they're attracted to it because they want to stay uh, warm. Um, I mean, other things that might enhance their phasing, maybe some sort of invisibility. Maybe they swallowed an invisibility cloak. So now you're fighting one that can phase and is invisible. That would definitely add another layer to it. Mm -hmm. um, then, you know, do something silly. You know, you find a 12-foot spear and a 10-foot spider, and they have to figure out how did it fit. Yeah, like when you kill it, and then it's literally like a video game where it's like, how was there a spear inside the spider? But because it's yeah. like a phase thing, maybe it's like a 
uh, almost like a bag of holding. Like it can hold as much as it right. wants in there, even though it doesn't make sense. That could be a fun little thing. Like at that point, like face spiders would be something people actively hunt because you right. could get these huge rewards. Um, or maybe you could try to find, like maybe you could try to tame a face spider or set one loose on an enemy uh, because they have a magic item. Like maybe there's a, a known assassin who has like a ring of invisibility and, and, and it's known that that's their only magic item. So if you send a face spider after them, there's a good chance that they'll take that one item that they have. And now that you can attack the, the assassin. So you don't really care about the face spider. You're trying to use them to your advantage in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also like the idea of being kind of funny, but maybe like you get a, a ring of poison resistance. Cause like clearly someone who had that, went after the face spiders, but yeah. then they stole it and then they got killed because they no longer had it. So you actually get like spider control, a spider climb, poison resistance, phasing, some sort of, you know, uh, ability or magic item that gives you ability that would be great against face spiders. So it's kind of like a meta thing where you're like, okay, there's going to be more of these. I'm going to make it easier going forward, but this first one's going to be kind of hard, but then a big reward that kind of makes sense. Hmm. Or something that negates their phasing ability oh yeah that, that, yeah that would be very cool yeah like you have a thing so you have like that one phase spider that can't phase anymore because it has like a magic item in it that doesn't allow for phase like a like an arcane lock i think there's a spell that does that like a, a portal anchor type of thing right. um, and at least in my version in 13th age the space spider can t- take other people with you so it's entirely possible that the face spider could take someone into the ethereal rim and then leave them you know, or like a nightcrawler thing uh, where they teleport you like a mile into the air and then teleport away and now you're just free falling like an idiot. Good luck with that, asshole. Could be fun as soon as they open the spider up. You get one of those uh, decanters of endless water that just starts spraying them in the face. (laughs) You could go complete comedy with it. Yeah. You know, things like, or it's a decantless of endless cotton candy. Mm. You get shot with cotton candy. I would devour that. I would just be like, it'd be like Homer Simpson in the donuts. He'd just be like, ah, cotton candy straight into my mouth forever. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's a ton of ideas you could do. just depends upon where you want to go with the story. Yep. Uh, so as always, we'll throw it out to the audience here. We have a few people watching right now or then in the future. If you have any interesting encounters with a face fighter, either, either as a player or as the uh, game master, how have you used them? How have you encountered them? If you can think of any new ways that you'd like to share, please, uh, again, throw it in chat now or leave it into the comments of the, the episode when it goes up on YouTube and then audio only later. Uh, but with that, we're going to move into uh, the final segment of the show, which is our audience Q&A. We may not have any questions, uh, but this is the time to ask them. So if you have a question you'd like to ask Chris or I, doesn't have to be gaming related, but that certainly makes sense. Uh, please let us know. There's a little bit of a, a delay here. So while we're waiting for anyone in chat to catch up, Chris, one more time, where can people find you on the internet? Tell them about your show and uh, your Twitter handles and all that good stuff. Uh, Twitter, uh, Burlu underscore Chris. That's usually the easiest way to find me on the internet. Uh, and then if you want to listen to me, uh, Redemption Podcast. I game master that would come out every other Monday. We just had our season finale for season six, seven, one of those seasons. The longest remember. running Star Wars actual play. Yes. Yes. I think it's season six because we're going to pick back up at the end of May with season seven. We're just taking a little break to catch up. Are you doing anything special for May the 4th? Any like bonus drops or anything? Um, Maybe. 
I haven't actually asked. I'll have to look and see what day of the week that is. That might be a Tuesday, so I might be out. Ah. Because I've got scouts that night. I am looking for ideas. I used to do these behind the screens between seasons. I used to call it behind the screen because we, you know, I've interviewed the players. They've interviewed me. I've had other GMs on. And I stopped doing them because I kind of ran out of ideas. So if anybody has a new idea that they would like to throw at us, that would be great. I'm more than willing to do something. Uh, the last one I got was somebody said, well, you could talk about editing. I said, well, I don't, I don't mean to break this to you, but anybody that's edited will tell you it's not really exciting and nobody wants to hear about it for an hour. Yeah. After about five minutes, I've told you pretty much everything I know. You take the parts you don't like away and yeah. you take the good parts and try to make them more prominent in some way. And, and don't obsess about every time you stutter because I yeah. do that a lot. Just get over it. Uh so uh, as for myself, again, everything I do can be found at the RPG Academy. Detention is our live talk show. You're watching it right now or listening to it in the future. We do it live every other week on Wednesday, 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, usually there's three people. We have a guest that joins us, but it did not happen tonight. Last week we had uh, five people on there. It was the first time we've ever done that. Uh, the same weeks of detention on Tuesdays, I do a live show of Shadow Spawns, which is that 13th age we talked about, a uh, 13th age game we talked about tonight. And on the opposite wednesdays tom runs a 5e uh game right now so it's called rpg academy presents they're currently playing ghosts of salt marsh but once they complete that campaign it'll be it becomes something different uh and then monday through friday at two o'clock eastern time i'm now running uh or i'm playing some video games right now i'm playing dragon warrior 2 i'm kind of close to beating it haven't officially decided what my next game is going to be i might jump into sega genesis and start playing shining force which is a, a favorite of mine uh, but I'm not 100% sure yet. And then on occasion, I've been doing some mini painting streams. I've only done a couple so far. Uh, I'm having a hard time getting those organized and scheduled. Just I've been painting minis. I just haven't been streaming it. So we do have a question, uh, but from Dirty Habanero, who also mentioned he still li listens religiously to Redemption. Thank you. Uh, so he said, earlier we mentioned getting stuck playing your least favorite game as punishment. What is your least favorite game? <laughs> Oof. That's a great question. Because uh, if I don't like it, I don't usually go back and play it. Mm. Yeah, that's me. It's kind of a one and done. I, you know, I, chess is exciting for the first 10 minutes for me. Then after that, I realize I can't think long term. I've already lost. I'm ready to flip the table. So that might be one that would be close. But if I don't like a game, I don't usually play it again. I'm not one that's glutton for punishment. Uh, and my kid's old enough that I don't have to play like hi-ho Cheerios anymore mm. and toss Cheerios into buckets or Candyland or shoots and ladders, which luckily he was never much into. What's your least favorite game? Well, if, we're, if we talk role-playing games, which, which we didn't specifically, I would probably say GURPS. Though that's not mm. really fair because I've not played that game in about 30 years, but I remember hating it. Uh, I tried to get my friends to play it and uh it was awful so i played it one time never played again and it's sort of the gold standard people talk about crunchy games like that's kind of like one of the crunchiest games there is and that just doesn't suit my, my play style board games i kind of have a memory i think it was even at a, a faculty retreat where we played a game and i was just like i'm never playing that again but i cannot remember what that game was so i'm going to say monopoly i hate monopoly I, my wife and I almost got, we almost broke up. Like we were dating at the time, 
but we almost broke up over a game of Monopoly, which it, it's bullshit. Okay, she's wrong. <laughs> she won't say she's wrong, but she's wrong. It was awful. Uh, my kids, they got like a, a junior Monopoly game, which I've actively tried to get them not to play. Like every now and then they mm-hmm. want to play it, and I'll, I'm like, we could play another game. Daddy has all. Like I'm trying to get them to play anything else other than that game. I absolutely hate playing Monopoly. Yeah, I. What I hate about Monopoly is it. It's too much dependent upon the dice and where you land, and I don't have luck with dice, so. If we played, you're going to end up with Park Place, Boardwalk, and all the expensive ones, and I end up on the other end. And it, it lasts forever. That's that's that the thing too. is it becomes unfair immediately, and then it just takes forever. It would be one thing if you won Super Easy. And I have read that they actually the game was invented to try to show people how much capitalism sucks. It's des- like by, by design, you're supposed to hate that game. But as a kid, I didn't know that. Like, I, like we played Risk and uh, Battleship and Clue and monopoly was just one of the things that you did um but oh my god i hated that game so anyway so dirty habanero mentioned something about star wars canon i don't get that reference Uh, my apologies do you know what he's talking about that star wars Uh, ships are built on his planet i don't have the chat open what's it say um he says did you guys see that i am star wars canon all first order ships are made on my planet i don't I don't understand. I don't get the reference. I'm so sorry. It's not jumping in my head right now either. First order ships. First order ships would have been, but would they have been built on the hidden planet? Man. So in the the last Star Wars movie, there was like that planet where the, all the first order ships. Yeah, the hidden planet. For the life of me, I can't think of the name of it. Yeah, I can't think of it either. Yeah. Uh, he also mentions that uh, his friends play some games that he hates every week, so he just avoids that table at game. Not fair. If your friends like playing it, good for them. But uh, yeah, don't don't put yourself through if you don't have to. Uh, yeah, Warhammer 40k is one that I usually avoid. Ah, uh, so he says That's... first order ships are all built on Jameis, J E J A E M U S. So I'm guessing I know that. That's I don't know if that was exactly the way he spelled his name, but that definitely I think that is. Probably, I guess, his first name. Uh, well, congratulations, that. sir, for being Star Wars canon. Yeah, I didn't know that. I'll admit, I'm I'm the guy who loves Star Wars, and ask me Old Republic stuff, I might know a little better, but most of what I know, I just make up. Oh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I'll do. Are you interested in the new Bad Batch cartoon animated show that's coming out soon? Yeah. Uh, they did a good little arc with it in uh, Clone Wars, so I'd be curious to see how that turns out. Um, yeah, I have no connection to that. I've heard of the Bad Batch, but I so I'll probably check it out because I'm I'm that person, but I don't have like I'm not like excited for it. I'm excited for Loki. I think that show looks great, which I thought I was excited for One Division. I I thought it was great. Excited for Falcon and Soldier. That was really good. Excited for Loki. Yep. If it's good at all, I will love it. So I'll be very happy. Yeah. See if if Disney listens, do a Lord of the Sith. And just do store like a season about each Sith Lord from the past. I'm in. I think that would be really popular too. But then people would complain, "Oh, you're making them look like the good guys." No, no, no. Go dark with it. Make them the bad guys. Like paint the picture of what a Sith is, because everybody thinks that Darth Vader is the Sith, but he was more the the warrior. Palpatine was more the Sith. But mm. another another topic for another show. Yeah. I could rant uh, on that for a while. 
So he also mentioned that he found out by buying the X-Wing miniatures. I guess that's part of the, the lore that you get from those. I almost mm-hmm. bought the X-Wing miniatures game uh, for a Catacon to have it in the library. And I was kind of interested in playing it after seeing it on uh, Tabletop, that Will Wheaton show that was yep. out for a few years. I never end up pulling the trigger because I'm afraid it's one of those where you're going to have to buy so many. To, it's just going to get too expensive. So I still yeah, would like to do. play it. I just don't think I need to own it. I've played it. It's one of those games where they do tournaments and stuff like that. It's like, all right, you got to buy the next ship and the bigger ship. And all right, I'm out. Yeah, I saw at Gen Con, they had a, a game you could sign up for that was like the trench run. Like they had actually built like mm. a trench in 3D terrain. And but you played through the rules of like trying to go through and actually beat the Death Star. That sounded really cool. And I would have liked to have played that, but I just didn't fit in my schedule at the time. Yeah, it'd be fun. So uh, how's COVID looking up there in Michigan? I hear the numbers are coming back down a little bit. Michigan's full of a bunch of stubborn people that half the time don't, oh, half of us are vaccinated. We're good to go. I'm like, no, 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 that's not the way it works. I've been vaccinated. I still wear a mask. I still stay away from people. You know, it's it, until things get better, people, mm. use your head. Because um, we've, we've talked about maybe um, having an actual faculty retreat in July in Michigan. And right now we're kind of like waiting to see what the numbers look like. Because uh, right now it would be a no, but if they come back down, then maybe. The nice thing with doing it here too is we could potentially go outside. We've got a lot of pavilions and stuff where we could have more space and spread out and have more fresh air so we're not breathing the same air as much. Yeah. Um, it's Michigan, part of it too, is the weather got nice, so people want to get out of the house. I mean, we spent four months in winter. Now everybody's like, yay, it's sunny. Let's go outside and do stuff. And they just it's hard forget. to blame people. I mean, it like I get it. I absolutely um, understand people's like you know they're they have cabin fever. They, they, this has gone on much longer than any of us expected, and and things do seem to yeah. be getting better. Like you hear all the time about all these vaccine, you know, people are getting vaccinated. So it's just it's like like when you take medicine, take antibiotics, and you start feeling better. You're like, I don't need to take the rest of these, right? I feel better now. Uh, but you need to take all of them or you can not only get sick, but you can actually get worse. I think that's mm-hmm. kind of like the, the, the mode people are in. They're just over it. And, you know, you also have a portion of the population that just still don't believe it's a thing, which I don't get at all. Uh, that just don't want to wear a mask, which I don't get at all. And then you have people See? that are trying to do the right thing, but they're getting lax. Uh, like I said, they're, they're just yeah. like, you know, pushing it a little bit. Like, well, I'm outside mostly, or I'm just, you know, I'm vaccinated, that type of thing. So, I get it, but I wish it was better because I want to go to Gen Con. I want to have a catacomb this year. I'd like to go to Origins. I, I don't see, I don't have a job anymore, Chris. I don't know if you know this, but I'm a stay at home dad. <laughs> and one of the benefits of that is that I can now go to all the conventions uh, that are reasonably close and reasonably priced uh, and not have to worry about taking time off of work. And I haven't got to go to any of them <laughs> since I stopped working because COVID sucks. That's the key. If you get a job, this all ends. There you go. That's it. I am at fault. I am at fault. <laughs> yes. I, I think, you know, back to COVID, one thing that would help up here, especially business owners have been so kind of starved for business. Mm-hmm. They don't, they don't do what I do. You know, I run a, I run an office that does medical supplies. The sign says masks are required. If somebody walks in without a mask on, I'm quick to go stop. 
and I will toss them the box of disposable masks we have, put one on, and people go, oh, I'm like, hey, I'm sorry, I deal with people who have illnesses. This is a requirement for my store. If you don't like it, the phone number's on the door. You can call me from the parking lot, and I'll bring stuff out to you. Right. You know, and I, I do it in a nice way. I'm not like, you know, screaming at them. I used to do it, you know, smiling through my mask and trying to make a lighthearted joke with them. But yeah. you, you can't just let people go because you're nervous about getting business. You know, you, you've got to take responsibility for what goes on in your store. Yeah, I'm really glad at this point that I don't work at Target or Home Depot because I was in security. So I would have been the one that you see on those TikTok videos or YouTube where people are like, Sorry, sir, you can't come in here. This is my free rights. First, whatever. I, I would be the one trying to stand there going, sir, that's that's not how this works. You, you know, private property, blah, 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 blah. Um, I, I have the perfect response. I can already tell you you have to wear shoes and shirt to come in my business, so I can already tell you what attire you have. Yeah. It's legally my right to do that. Unfortunately, the, the response probably would be for them to take off their shoes and shirt, uh, which is the opposite of what we wanted. Uh, Dirty Heaven, mentioned that he's a, a mail carrier, uh, and he got his second shot, so congratulations. I am fully vaccinated nice. as well. Uh, Chris is also, I believe. Uh, mine were done in January. Okay. Yeah, and you work said, medical, sort of like yeah. medical field adjacent, so you needed to. Yeah, um, I, I've been doing door dashing, so I, I count as yeah. a first responder here in Kentucky, which at this point, it wouldn't matter. I think like two weeks after I got my first shot, they opened it up to everyone in my age yeah. anyway. So I got literally like two weeks ahead of where I would have been uh, otherwise. Uh, yep. So, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, we're still talking about um, maybe an actual faculty retreat. We're still talking about a possible Akatacon in November. Fingers crossed that we can do it, but uh, somewhere probably July, early August, I'm going to have to make the decision. Um, mm -hmm. So hopefully I can make a decision. Because no matter what I decide, I think I'm going to have second guesses and doubts. You know, if I decide not to do it, maybe I should have. I start to have it. You know, is it going to work out? Are people going to show up? Does anybody get sick? Because you know, I, I am that person that if someone comes to a catacomb and gets sick, I'm going to feel responsible. And I haven't right. even looked into the insurance thing yet. Like, am I, can I even get insurance this year? You know, because uh, normally, because I have to for the DCC, they won't let me have it unless I buy a third party insurance. So I don't even know, like, is it going to cost me 10 times as much? Because if so, then I can't afford it. I need to look into that. I just, I, like, I just mm -hmm. thought that probably is something I should double check before uh, I make any other decisions. Because if it's going to cost me a lot more for insurance, then that may make the decision not to do it. So before next time, I will have looked into that. Yeah. Or are they going to force you to say, hey, only people who have vaccine cards can come? Right. I'm assuming they're doing that for everybody. Michigan, you get a card that shows yeah, when you I get your shots. Yeah, I have a card on mine uh, for mm -hmm. the dates because more than likely, I think I got the Pfizer. So they're talking about there'll probably be a six-month booster shot for that one. Yep, that's what I got. So welcome to COVID Talk here at the RPG Academy. Yeah. Uh, so, it's but exciting. again, it's just it's hard to talk about anything without talking about that because it's mm -hmm. just such a big thing right now. But. Uh, I think we'll end it here. I'm going to let everybody go. Thank you, everybody, for watching. Again, anyone watching in the future or listening, we appreciate you as well. Uh, Dirty Heaven Arrow, fantastic having you on tonight and actually getting to interact Absolutely. with you a little bit. Uh, hopefully, I'll get to see you maybe in November or at a Gen Con coming soon, if not this year, hopefully, hopefully next year. Uh, but hopefully, you'll come back in two weeks while we do this again. So thanks, everybody. We'll do the awkward wave out. Awkward we'll wave. see you next time. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast. We do this show out of love for the hobby and the desire to be ambassadors, welcoming more people into this community. 
All of our website content will always be free to use and utilize. But there are expenses related to the show. And if you enjoy what we do here, then please consider supporting us in some way. You can do so as simply as rating or reviewing us on iTunes or your podcatcher of choice. If you're going to purchase anything through Amazon or DriveThruRPG, consider using our affiliate links first, and then we'll get a small percentage sent back to us. You can do a single direct donation through PayPal using the paypal.me slash the RPG Academy, or consider joining our Patreon campaign at patreon.com slash the RPG Academy. And for a donation as low as $1 a month, you'll get access to lots of extra goodies, including bonus minisodes, invites to monthly one-shot games, one-sheet adventures, and more. Please consider following us on Twitter and Facebook, or join our Discord, where we like to try to keep the conversation going with our fans as best we can, and are always looking to talk and chat more. Or do none of that. Just continue to listen and enjoy our show. Because honestly, that's enough. Thanks. And remember, if you're having fun, you're doing it right. We'll see you next time. music used for our intro and outro is Fly a Kite by Spectacular Sound Productions, used under the Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike License.